0: Thank you for listening to this lunchtime talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. In this live recording, project officer Gloria Streslecki shares her insights on the work of John Marwanjul in the exhibition John Marwanjul, I am the Old and the New. My name is Gloria Streslecki. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a project officer here at the Art Gallery of South Australia and it's my great pleasure to be speaking to you in this amazing exhibition, John Marwanjul, I am the Old and the New. And I can see a lot of familiar faces, so um, I would think most of you have seen the exhibition. So I'm going to ask who hasn't? Who's brave enough to put their hand up? (laughs) Great. Well, hopefully you will have a bit of time this um, afternoon to have a good look at the exhibition. It's going to be a short and sharp talk today because I'm about to get on a plane to Hobart. Um, but before I start, I just wanted to um, acknowledge that the land we meet on today is the land of the Kaurna people, and I pay my respects to Elders past, present and future. So let's get started. Today I'll be talking to you about the spirit beings. And before I get started, however, I just want to let you know that I'm not an expert in Gunugu cosmological beings. It's just a little glimpse into them. I feel really privileged to have been involved in the installation of this exhibition. I worked on this exhibition with Nikki Cumston, the curator, one of the curators, and Erin Davidson. And when we were installing this exhibition, I have to say it felt like Christmas every time we opened a new crate. Every work pulsated. Every work was different. It had a different personality. But there were... A couple of works that really stood out for me. And it all really started with, and I may regret this decision in a second because I may fall over. But I'll pass this little guy around. So my decision to talk about the spirit beings came from this one work, A Lightning Spirit. He has his hands up in the air and I just thought, I wanna take you home. It felt like Christmas, but I couldn't take him home because you all have to have a look at it, and I'd probably lose my job if I did steal the work. But the memory of him has stuck with me. And so for most of you who have seen the exhibition, you know that this exhibition is curated around Gunrad, so specific sacred sites. When you go into gallery 23C, and that's the gallery right down at the end with all the Mimi, the other spirit beings which I'll talk about today, You'll see that that gallery predominantly has the animal bark paintings and spirit beings and this is because they're not tied to a specific gunrid. Although they can tell us about specific sites and specific environments or times, which I'll go into later, they sort of have their own gallery. And while I didn't expect there to be this many of you, um, we're in this space because there's only two works here ...that are spirit beings, we just wouldn't fit in Gallery 23C. So I hope that you can all go have a look down there after this talk. So for those of you who maybe heard Lisa speak a few weeks ago... ...Lisa Slade was one of the other curators of this exhibition... ...she mentioned that um, the bark paintings are living, they live. So not only does the material live, but so does the subject matter. And... In this case, the spirit beings live. They're actually part of everyday life for Gunugu people. The spirit beings and Gunugu people share country together. The spirit beings not only share country with Gunugu people, they're an everyday part of their lives. And I'll explain this a bit later. So the spirit beings in particular in this exhibition that we will talk, I'll talk to you all about, are the Nawara Mulmul and Nomorodo, the shooting star spirit. I'll talk about the Yauk Yauk, the mischievous Mimi, and I keep looking at one of my colleagues over there whose name is Mimi. Hi Mimi. I'll also talk about the Wayara spirit which is this spirit here. And I'll look at the lightning spirit, which is the margon, the male and female spirit. So where do these works fit in to John Moanju's practice? Well, Fiona Salmon spoke about the first phase of his career in her talk two weeks ago. And Lisa Slade talked about the master and apprentice model of um, learning to be an artist in Gunugu um, culture. And John Mwanjul learnt from his um, father-in-law, Peter Marawanga, and also his brother, Jimmy Niminuma. Now, when he was starting out, the subjects that were appropriate for him to learn were the subjects of animals and spirit beings. And this is because of the outside story. So you may be aware that this exhibition features works that are outside stories and inside stories. And that means that the inside stories, for example, those in the other room around the Ma Dayan ceremony, are things that Aspalanda or Westerners or non gunugu people don't need to know about. So when Mwanjo was starting out his artistic practice, he learned the outside stories. And these are outside stories that are shared with children and progress on as you develop into um, an older person an adult. So both Peter Marawanga and also Jimmy Niminuma they painted these subjects and you'll see that we have a crocodile by Marawanga currently on display in gallery six Go have a look at it if you've got time. But we also have a Yelp Yelp by Jimmy Niuminuma, which provides a nice contrast. So go onto our website. I think it's on there. And you can see where the master-apprentice relationship starts to tie in. And you can see the influence. The other reason why artists start painting spirit beings and animals is because they're allowed to paint them in innovative ways so as long as they've got certain types of representational elements that represent the spirit beings they can be a bit more innovative so you will start to see John Mwanjo develop his style further um, in these spirit being portraits or paintings so I think Fiona Salmon also talked about in the first phase of Mwanjul's career how he started off small and you'll see the characteristic of these early works from the late 70s to early 80s they're quite small so in this in comparison to some of the larger bark paintings you'll probably be able to tell that it's from the late 70s and they're also slightly figurative now while it's tempting to call the larger bark paintings um, abstract they're still representational but we can actually see a form in the spirit beings we can make out what they are so we get a smaller medium so smaller bark size and they're a bit more figurative apart from the nawara mulmul which is in gallery 23c and I've got a picture of him, so I'll pass it around. Thank you. So Nawara Mulmul is the shooting star spirit, and I'll go into him a bit later in terms of his relationship to Namorodo, which is also a shooting star spirit. But this work is the largest of the spirit beings that are in this exhibition. And he was painted in 1988. Was included in the very important Magicians of the Earth exhibition and came as a bolt of inspiration to Mwanjul um, when he heard the MCA was going to be built. So it's a very special work um, in this exhibition. But the Nawara Mulmul, Mul, as I mentioned, is a shooting star spirit or a spirit of the darkness. He has piercing eyes that float through the sky and he disappears as the morning comes. So Namorodo is also a shooting star spirit and if for those of you who can see he's actually in this space in Munkalord. Lord. Now I mentioned before that the shooting, that the spirits aren't necessarily tied to specific Gunrid, but Namorodo is and John Mwanjo has said that there is only one Namorodo and he lives in Munkalord. Now, for those of you who saw Tan and last year, you might recall the installation, which was actually in this gallery by Bob and Lena, and that was of the Namorodo. And in that installation, Bob spoke about how he was kidnapped by the Namorodo and he was actually saved by his father, a clever man. And the Namorodo the is... Uh, takes its earthly um, guise as a shooting star. However, it doesn't go in one direction. It can go in very many directions. And as it goes through the sky, it flies across and it targets someone. And with its little claws and sharp teeth will kidnap a person and steal their soul. So it's a very scary-sounding spirit being... And I have to say, last night I dreamt of the namorodo. And I've been dreaming about these spirit beings for the last three nights. I had the way are, and I'll explain that later. But last night's namorodo kind of scared me. So I'm hoping the beings are out in a good way tonight. So the namorodo is actually um, a spirit being that comes out at night. And it is advisable not to cook meat at night time because it's attracted to the smell. So I'll go into why spirit beings are a bit important later, but you can see why the tale of this Nomorador might be a cautionary tale to perhaps children at a campsite and why it's not advisable running out in the dark. So I might move on to another spirit being. Um, Maybe let's talk about the Yelp Yelp. So the Yauk Yauk is a female spirit being. And sometimes we refer to the way they look as mermaid-like, but they're a bit more fish-like. They have fins. And they're said to um, dwell near water holes. And in um, Mwanjul's case... There are the Mimi at Badajolking, and Badajolking is um, represented in the other gallery in the middle. And so you'll see quite a few Yelk Yaoq in that gallery. And I don't have a picture here, I'm sorry, um, but do go have a look at some of the representations there. And you'll see that um, it's often, the women uh, spirits are often shown with the fins and the sort of mermaid like tails. Now the yauk is usually, um, has usually a grass weed that is found in the billabongs as her hair and she makes a noise like a yowl, and she can be dangerous because she can pull you into the water and drown you but she also um, can be tied to specific formations in the land So for some clan estates, the Yauk-Yauk can represent um, a bend in the river. But for Mwanjul at Barajauking, her breasts represent two mountainous forms. So usually we think of mermaids as quite lovely beings. The the, the Yauk-Yauk is a bit more scary. So I think we shouldn't be calling her mermaid-like. I think she's more of a female water spirit. Now, I'm going to talk about my favourite spirit being, which was the Namagon, the lightning spirit. And we've got a female lightning spirit here. And so, nal is the female prefix in Gunugu. So, this female spirit here is a lightning spirit. And she is often male and female, are often depicted with these lightning bolts like a halo coming from the bottom to um, the top of the head. Now, you can't see in this example, but I'll show another one. They frequently have on their knees little axes and sometimes they have little bags of power where they keep spirits or power and these axes are used to throw at people. Now, they don't just pick people at random. They often will pick someone who's done something really bad or wrong and against the law. And when they see that, they grab the axe and they throw it, sometimes two, and sometimes they can miss. And when they miss, that's said to be the... Um, ...in a tree when you see a sort of incision... ...that's where the namargon has missed. So the namargon usually appears in the wet season... ...which is October through to December. And Gunugu people know when namargon's coming... ...because the thunder starts to rumble. It rumbles and then the rain comes... ...and so does the lightning. Around this time the light-heart grasshopper also appears. And this grasshopper is said to be the creation of Namagon. And when it appears, it starts to mate, make a lot of noise. And it's said that it's searching for its creator, Namagon. So I suppose I mentioned before, we find Yauk-Yauk near the water. And as you are probably aware, that... Um, Gunugu country is surrounded by three rivers. So it could talk about the dangers of rivers. The Namagon is during the wet season, so more downpour and lightning and all those perils that come with lightning. And also Namorodo, the shooting star spirit, talking about darkness and perhaps the fear of darkness. Interestingly, in the early um, Namargon depictions, we see these, these dots and I'm not one usually to speak about um, the way things are painted in Aboriginal paintings because I don't think it's that necessary for us to know what every dot means. But Hedy Perkins talks about this dot as a form of electrical energy and c- And you can see the way the rock starts to be developed between that. And I can't help but look at the dots and the rock to really see how Mwanjul became the master of rock. So look at these closely to see the difference and the development of his rock. Let's move on to the Wayara spirit, shall we? This spirit here, and I'll pass another one along because it's teeny tiny, and you might miss it in Gallery 3, C, but it's beautiful. It sits right next to the very large Nawara mulmul, so it provides a beautiful contrast. So the Wayara spirit is the spirit being of darkness and death. And that sounds a bit frightening, but I think Wayara, from what I've read... ...and heard people speak of is actually a welcome presence. And Wayara will appear in the sites where there are dead people... ...and sometimes in the actual bones of the deceased. And Gunikyu people often think of the Wayara as a frightening presence. It's felt as a frightening presence but isn't. So Wayara can actually help someone who's lost in the middle of the night... Um, ...and walk them all the way home, depending on certain um, clan groups. The Wayara takes its skin off to wash. And as a result, for those who have the power... ...or are clever people, clever men... ...and who can see them, because not everyone can see them... ...only if you have that specific power... ...they appear as skeletons... So very frequently, um, and I recommend you have a look at the examples that we have, they appear to be painted in a type of X-ray manner. And this X-ray style of painting, and perhaps the fact that these Wayara are um, skeletal in the way they're represented, speaks not only of the transitional um, or the cyclical element of life and death, Um, but also in the sense of um, the spirituality of passing and so that the spirit is still very present but in the bones and in the landscape and so forth. So, to the Mimi. And I want to finish maybe with the Mimi because um, the mischievous Mimi, when I was working on this exhibition with um, Nikki on the install. We we thought the Mimi were playing a trick on us because you'll see there's about 20 or so on a plinth and every time we went to um, write the label and figure out which Mimi was which, I swear they moved. And it got so confusing And Nikki and I just had to walk away. And sometimes when I'm there cleaning the plinth in the mornings, I wonder which one's moved again and whether they're testing me or something. But I haven't dreamt of the Mimi this week, so maybe I will today. But the Mimi is mischievous and a trickster. And I think that's why we thought they were moving. Um, But the Mimi is often represented in a very skinny and wobbly way. And this is because the Mimi is so skinny because it lives in the rocky formations. And it has to, in order to go to the realm of the humans, has to pass through these rocks. So while that seems like a good idea to be really skinny to get through places, the mimi can actually break their necks when the winds are really strong. So it's good being skinny sometimes, but sometimes it's not. the mimi are now represented frequently as, um, in their sculptural form from Bombax Siba, the type of wood. And the mimi that you will see on the plinth are from a v- much later period of Moanjul's practice. And Mo, that doesn't mean that Mwanjul didn't paint the mimi early on. And I'll show you some of the ways he's represented the mimi. So when you go into the, the Mil Milgan room, you see the mimi as an unborn fetus in the centre there of the um, bark painting. And we see this mimi as a birthing kind of um, phase. And then we have the mimi that is grown. And I think this representation of mimi is quite interesting because it's Showing the way the body contorts through its slim figure, its neck is bent and its arms and legs are all over the place, but you start to see how um, Mwanjul, with this painting, fills out his bark, um, his canvas, his bark canvas. And that becomes a real point of Mwanjul's practice, filling in the entirety of the space. So these are the earlier representations of mimi spirits. And as I mentioned, the later ones um, are perhaps more common now for Goonagoo people due to um, the um, material itself, the bombac seba being a very good carving wood. And also because if you go into the space, you'll see how really you get the feeling of the mimi spirits. They're really wobbly and Although in varying heights, they're all very skinny. Um, So, I think you see how the Mimi is best shown in that form through them being en masse because they all have their different personalities in there too. So, that's all five of the spirit beings. And what does that all mean? Well, I briefly touched upon why... um, John Mwanjul started painting the spirit beings. I won't perhaps know exactly why, but obviously it's an outside story. So something that he was able to learn with as he was starting out his career. And these stories being outside, as I was saying, were taught um, through childhood and stay with adults. And I mentioned before about the environmental perils. And while they don't speak of a specific site, these actual beings, They do speak of the dangers of certain places and they become markers for that. So they have cultural significance in that form of reminding us of the perils of the environment but also the psychic and spiritual perils that exist as well for Gunugu people. So as I mentioned, I'm not an expert on Gunugu cosmological beings. I'm just here to give you a glimpse into the realm of these beings. And hopefully you'll um, take the time and go have a look at some of those smaller bark paintings because, you know, the big ones sometimes can be very distracting with their beauty and pulsating rock. But for me, I still really love these little ones. um, And I do hope that you'll um, spend some time with them today before I jump on a plane. So thank you.